0: This is the Pittsburgh City Cast with Tim Benz, presented by BetRivers. Rivers.
1: It is another BetRivers Rivers Pittsburgh City Cast with me, Tim Benz and Mike Pursuta from the DVE Morning Show. Listen to Mike Monday through Friday, 6 until 10. And you can read me daily at Breakfast with Benz. The big question is tomorrow, will we be talking about the Penguins eliminating the Rangers? In their best of seven series in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, it is hockey playoff time and bet rivers has a special offer through the end of the NHL playoffs throughout the playoffs place three same game parlays of $10 or more on each round and receive $10 free bets at the conclusion of each round think of it as a betting hat trick terms and conditions apply see the site for details. Create your ideal combo with same game parlays on the Bet Rivers app or at betrivers.com. Presented by Rivers Casino. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Call one 800 Gambler. Mike, you can still get in on the Bet Rivers app Rangers plus 525 to win the series. Feel like doing that to try to make up for our bets where, like, for instance, I had them at minus 120. At the start of the series? Uh,
0: I waited until after game three, and I got him at plus 170, but I'm not feeling real good about that either. So uh, I think I'm going to let that lie, but I'm probably going to bet the Rangers tonight, Tim. That doesn't look too good
1: for you, Vakoda. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on the Rangers potentially for tonight. Although, I don't know, Mike, I think this is this is a big question in my mind when it comes to tonight's game. I'm still kind of working it in my head. It sounds like you're a little bit more confident than me. No, I'm not. I just
0: said, I'm probably going to bet them. I didn't mean to imply any level of confidence.
1: I don't know if Shesterkin is ruined and he's not coming back, or I just don't know if he can handle a road environment in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, here's the way I'm looking at. uh, I don't think he's ruined and I think he's very good. I thought he was really bad in game three. Uh, He wasn't great in game four but i thought his team really let him down uh you, you just can't leave guys standing in the slot area or on top of the crease unmolested and expect to get away with it and the penguins i don't know what's gotten into them but uh you know the globetrotter penguins the uh the, the flying penguinos uh the, the <laughs> skate, and, the skate and create penguins uh, they're doing it the hard way. They're doing the dirty work. They're doing it the way just about everybody else does in the NHL playoffs. They're getting the puck deep. They're grinding. They're cycling. They're getting pucks and bodies to the net, and it's working. They are not making all those high-risk, turnover-inducing plays that have beaten them so many times previously. And I give them a lot of credit for that. Uh, they, were, they were up on the Islanders 2-1 to one last year. And they went out and played their worst game of the series and let the Islanders even the series. And then, you know, we know what happened from there. This time, uh, with a chance to really grab a hold of things, they played their best game of the series. So they're a different team uh, mentally to me. But that said, I still think Shostarkin's a great goalie. I think the Rangers have much better than what they've shown us the last couple of games. And I think they buck up and uh, rally a little bit at home. You know, the Penguins, Tim, are 6-0. and with a three games to one lead in the Mike Sullivan era, but they have only won the series in five, two times. So the trend is usually one of the them team, was against the Rangers. One of them was against the Rangers back in 16, but they also blew a three, one lead against the Rangers the year before. Yes, they uh, did. Um, th- you know, the trend league wide is the, the home team kind of well, two years up, before, but, two years before that was the uh, Dan 14, was less. Yeah. Mike Johnston. Right, yeah, Mike Johnston got sw- well not swept out, but lost in five. five lost, yep. they, yeah. They uh, the Penguins did not buck up on the road in that one. But uh, I don't know. Just it's uh, it's a hunch. It's a, a suspicion. I'm certainly not selling this pick to anybody. But I got to watch the game tonight. There's no way I'm not going to have some action on it. So yeah, you're going pro- with the who needs it more theory, which has been pretty good for me in the playoffs. Wasn't
1: great last night though because I kind of thought the Oilers needed it more. They lost. I thought the yeah. Wild needed it more. They lost. The Bruins probably needed it more. They lost. But you know, in that like I shouldn't say that Carolina can't afford to lose that game and lose three in a row. But I took Carolina just on the premise that they were the better team. Period.
0: Yeah, I just I, it's not the who needs it thing with the Rangers pens to me, but the Rangers played really well against the Penguins in the Garden to open the series. Uh, they were they were what I think it was a blown call away from winning Game One. And they won game two, and Shostarkin was good in both of those games. So I think they play a good game. And the, the Penguins, um, you, you know, uh, again, I'm, I'm very impressed with uh, how they approached game four. I'm sure they'll have a good approach in game five. That's why I'm not really, really confident about this. As I look at my BetRivers app, the the one that might really be worth taking the roll of the dice on is uh, Rangers minus one and a half plus 175. Well, that's so, what, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you next. Do you Hopefully, like the- late. Hope for a late lead and the empty net goal. Yeah, are you
1: liking the Rangers enough that you're tempted at 136 to play it even, or does plus 117 towards the Penguins tilt your opinion? Yeah, I'm talking myself into uh, Rangers minus one and a half here. That's at plus 175. The Penguins, if they're given a goal and a half, are at minus 210. And the over under, uh, the over is at plus 102 at six and a half. The under is at minus 120. The Penguins have gotten seven goals themselves each of the last two games. The triple overtime game went to Uh, 4-3. It's been over every game. It's been over that every game. And I thought it would be under
0: every game. So what do I know? What do you think tonight? Shesterkin bounces back and they lock it down a little bit? I do, yeah. Maybe 4-2, something like that. To your point about them being like
1: more the grind Penguins, get it in the offensive end, control the puck beneath the goal line, cycle if you got to, you know, win the battles, get people in front. That's all been there, but they've been able to score off the rush too. Like when they've been in transition, that's been there for them as well.
0: Yeah, a little bit, but I think where it really helps them is defensively. You know, the Penguins can't play half-court defense. So the way they play defense is they make the other team play defense. They make uh, the Zbigniew line have to work its ass off in its own end And then when they finally do get a clear, if they don't get scored on, they just got to go to the bench and make a change. Uh, Territory and possession are are critical to this Penguins team. And I think they almost have to give up the trade chances thing on offense just to be able to keep the other team from scoring a bunch of goals, particularly with Louis Domingue in the net. Uh, I don't think he's been bad. I don't think he's been great. They're not winning in spite of him. They're not losing because of him, but they have to, be cognizant of who he is and what they have to work with in golf. If they're if they're going to expect that guy uh, to make forty five fifty saves and stand on his head, I don't think it's happening. I don't think that's a good bet. But if they if they keep the Rangers on their side of the fifty, to use a football expression, their chances uh, improve exponentially. Yes, I
1: think. even though he's a third string goaltender, he's probably not going to give up a goal one hundred and ninety feet away.
0: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be incompetent, but I don't think he's going to be Mike Richter either.
1: I think that the Rangers goal scorers have to be disappointed with themselves insofar as that they haven't been been able to bury many of the chances that they've had. Now, they haven't
0: created a ton, and in fact... Tim, Tim, to quote the great Mike Therrien, I think there are a lot of guys disappoint. Gerard Gallant actually did (laughs) quote the great Mike (laughs) Therrien.
1: Soft. Soft. He said it with more of a PEI accent than Franglais like Therrien did, but they (laughs) saw... They Oh, what a, what
0: a great designate. See, it's worth tuning into this just to hear you make designations <laughs> such as
1: that. There's just the, the slightest difference in tone, but it was nonetheless sneering, condescending, and ripping of his own team. And it wasn't like he went out of his way to say it wasn't just the new guys and the young guys. He was going after the vets, too, for not being sound, especially defensively. And I agree with your premise that their defensive play has just
0: been tragic. One of the snapshots of the series for me is the Gensel goal the other night. Uh, you know, James Norris has no idea where number 59 is. And by the time he figures it out, George George's Vesnet can do nothing about it. I mean, <laughs> this is a team that was so difficult to score against. that had all the hardware, either existing or incoming, and they stink right now. They got to be better than this, right? I mean, you couldn't have won... The amount of games the Rangers won in the regular season. You couldn't shut the Penguins down the way the Rangers did in the regular season without being capable. They just lost it when the venue changed. Maybe they lost it when that uh, Jeff uh, Carter-Igor Shostorkin incident took place at the end of game two. Because Shostorkin opened himself up to the crowd hate? Is that what you're getting at? I don't know. Knocked himself or Carter knocked him off his game. You know, that's... a theory in hockey as old as time is when you're having trouble with the other goalie, run his ass and, you know, get in his cage a little bit. I thought the way that thing played out, Carter was in a position to avoid it, but did not because he probably thought, ah, eh, I might get a penalty. So what the game's already over, but nothing egregious is going to happen to me. You know, I'm not going to get suspended from this or anything. Yeah. Well, I'll bump into the guy or maybe you initiated it and, and kind of over overthought what he was doing. Yeah, turned himself and, into a flying Walenda. And knocked himself off his game somehow. But uh, he has certainly been uh, not the guy I thought he was going to be in this series, but he's still that guy. We'll see he's if he shows. He's swimming a lot. You can just see him reaching
1: and swimming and searching for the puck, hunting for it. Uh, he cool. has not been what we said. Uh, the thing to me, Mike, though, that really has put him on edge is not even the finish or the goal scoring from the Penguins, per se, which is great. I mean, 14 in two games, who could ask for more? But they've got 202 shots in four games. And even if you take away the triple overtime, they had 41 in regulation that night. So they're averaging 41 per contest. And what's really amazing about it is, in total, it's what exactly double what they had in the four games of the regular season. They had 101 in four games of the regular season. They got 202 now. It's the shot volume to me testing Schusterkin as much as they are getting out of their end getting through the neutral zone like you said playing in the offensive end the setup the defensemen creating the shooting lanes like Crosby was talking about the other night at post during the post game that's what's been impressive to me is to increase the volume on Schusterkin by double
0: yeah and and the, they were going through at an alarming rate because they had guys in in tip position or net front screen position and and when you're doing that, you're limiting the other guy's chances. You know, uh, you you've done enough Robert Morris games with me to know I'm a big scoring chance guy, and I I keep them. Uh, I don't go to a website. I keep them myself, and I got the way I do it. I had the Rangers with 15 in game one in regulation. Now I didn't extrapolate it out for overtime because once you get into two, three overtimes, everything breaks down. And to yeah. me, that's not, that's not a realistic representation. It's just what happened that night. It, yeah, you've
1: got a guy at MSG who's keeping stats with the Rangers with yeah. 75 giveaways. So, yeah. you know.
0: I had 15 scoring chances for New York in game one, 28 in game two, and 33 in game three. Then in game four, 12. And four in the second period, none in the third period. So I got to that third period. That's one reason or the main reason that I'm not hugely confident uh, about the Rangers tonight is they went quietly into that good night, man. They no pushback offensively. They did not eat into the lead as they had in game three. And Ryan Reeves didn't even go out and run anybody. They didn't muck it up at all. Uh, They didn't send any messages. They just took their beating and went home. Maybe that's why Gerard Gallant made him do gassers at practice yesterday. They were doing the herbies. Do you think he screwed up by keeping Shuster in after like the fourth goal, third goal in the uh, second period? No, I thought, it, I, I think he's played it as I would have. Let me put it that way. I would have taken him out after two periods in game two. And you know, they, they got it back to four to two. And there was, there wasn't very much period left. You'd think it, if you get to the, second intermission you got a shot right i but, guess that's right yeah but the penguins you know because i was wondering the other night if once it got the four four in game three i wonder if he was thinking oh maybe i shouldn't have taken him out you know but uh
1: has Jag- is pretty good backup as far as backups go
0: yeah although he ended up leaking into what i thought yeah, you didn't a like the fifth awful goal he awful goal that won the game uh in game three so uh we'll see it's uh, it's gone uh against the grain Uh, in a lot of ways so far. And I I do think the Penguins are going to win the series, but if New York finds a way to win tonight, it's going to get a lot more interesting in terms of, uh, you know, this thing's still in doubt standpoint. For
1: as much as I'll be paying attention to the Penguins and Rangers tonight for work purposes, for my purposes, if you read my drift here, I might have uh, the Penguins Rangers at the small screen and Panthers Capitals in the big screen. Because, we load up on Florida, are we? Well, I had Florida in six. I took the specifics. Uh, what? Well, not the specific. I take that back. I took covering one and a half games. So basically a specific in the spread. So I've got Florida at minus one and a half games, which means they can't lose anymore. They can still win tonight and win game six, and I can win. But that's the only way that's going to happen. So a loss for... Florida tonight against Washington is a loss for me. So this is essentially my game seven. I'm going to play it twice. Hopefully, if Florida wins tonight, they're at minus 215. The caps are at plus 180. Um, the over under in this game, the over is at minus 121. It's definitely been an over series uh, except for game five. That was three to two, right? The, the Panthers got the game winner in three to two. Capitals getting the puck line is minus one twenty nine at a goal and a half it only pays out at plus 108 on the puck line for Florida what are you thinking this Mike did Florida find itself and, and win that series in game four by winning in overtime or the caps crushed i I'm getting the sneaking suspicion that they're not
0: ah you know they're still the caps right and they're they're the yeah. aging older caps and I, I thought a lot of that Florida team uh coming into this uh, I think I think the Panthers are in pretty good shape tonight. Um, I feel good enough about that. You know, we already talked about the Penguins, uh, you know, Rangers minus one and a half is looking like a a pretty good deal. I'm looking right now at give it the three games tonight. Take the three home teams and root for the empty net uh, as a three-team parlay. And if you do that, that's nice. If you do that on a uh, on $100 risk, that comes back at $1,217 or thereabouts. Wow. Every home team winning by at least
1: two goals. Yeah. You say 1200 it comes back at?
0: Yes. On a $100 uh, wager. Thing is, in Calgary
1: and Dallas. That's what think. we call value play, Tim. what oh, is it is a if, value play. It's a risk I don't know play. if it's going to hit, but there's a lot of value there. There's a lot of payback, that's for sure. Uh, the under right now in Flames Stars, they can't make it low enough. I, I guess they no. could. They could get it down to five, but it's minus 125 on the under five and a half. That felt like an under series a lot of the time coming in. It has been. I would not deviate from that tonight. I do think Calgary wins. Um, I might go something like Calgary on minus 210 to win that one, an in-game parlay on the under perhaps, or Calgary minus 210 and then play that off with one of the other two on the over. That might be a way to go. Yeah, i have talked myself into rooting for empty net goals tonight. That's a different strategy, but I like it. I think the problem might be for you, Dallas and Calgary, because that one's been close enough that
0: I don't know if you're going to see the empty net. Yeah, Dallas has really frustrated Calgary at times, but I think Calgary's got a hell of a squad, and I'm not that impressed with Dallas. So, effort. it. I'm doing it. about last <laughs> night? Uh, Carolina,
1: Toronto, the Blues, and the Kings. The Kings winning, to me, was a real surprise. I thought Edmonton might have gotten on the right track, and like I said, they just needed that more. Their state of being, who they are in their development. You can't go down 3-2 to
0: two to this Kings team and now try to come back against Jonathan Quick twice. Tim, they are who we thought they were, Edmonton, the Edmonton Oilers. And if I had a third leg, I'd be kicking myself because I made uh, I made two series bets before things started. I took the Blues, who were slight underdogs over the Wild, and I took Tampa, who were slight underdogs to Toronto, just figuring that, you know, the, 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 they might not win three cups in a row, but they're not going out. In the first round against a Leafs team that always seems to screw things up, but boy, two to one going into the third period, Tampa didn't finish it. Toronto, yeah. Toronto with the weight of a nation on its shoulders, uh, all the pressure of not having won since the frigging '60s. Uh, Toronto might have found the big boy pants between periods.
1: That that's a pretty. But see, good- I was looking at it the other way. I was I was going to give them two chance to leaf it up. I thought they might leaf it up in game five. Now I'm still feeling confident. Tampa wins game three. They get it back to game seven and they leaf it up in game seven. Well, this
0: would be a better way to leaf it up to come from ahead and lose the series. Yes. But I mean, leafing it up, losing at home last night and put yourself in a real bind would have been leafing it up too. But uh, I don't know if Toronto gets through this thing. Look out. Um, Might be the turning point uh, that that organization needed. Toronto is
1: plus 112 to win on the road. That means the Lightning minus 130 to win at home in game five. The Oilers are road favorites. So if you think they're done, you can take the Kings straight up at plus 123 in game six.
0: Well, where I was getting to where I didn't get to a minute ago was I took the Blues and the Lightning and I thought long and hard about the Kings who were a little more than two to one underdogs back when it started. And I didn't pull the trigger. I don't know why I didn't. I, I, I was betting on the Leafs, leafing it up. I should have bet on the Oilers to oil it up.
1: Carolina, for the game coming up, game six against Boston, they're plus 108 underdogs in Boston. Yeah, they're going to win that game. I like that. I they're, like they're, Carolina getting plus value. I, I think they won it last night. I think they, the last gasp for
0: Boston was game four. They were going to win Sunday until my guy, Brindamore, saw something that nobody else did on uh, a, a, a net net – a goal mouth goal that was in no way goaltender interference and uh, rod brindamore felt sure it was somehow and took is that the one where point. he said he felt baffled by it yeah i never saw the actual explanation as to what he saw but i mean to me there was there was no question it was a good goal and i don't know why you'd risk the penalty there and then they take another penalty and then it's a two-man advantage goal in the third the thing the thing turned the game turned around uh in a relative instant. I know it was the end of the second period, the start of the third, so there was some time in between, but uh, Carolina had that thing going its way and then just just fumbled it. All right, so that is our hockey talk, and again, it
1: is hockey playoff time, and Bet Rivers has a special offer through the entire NHL playoffs. Throughout the playoffs, place three same-game parlays of $10 or more on each round and receive a $10 free bet at the conclusion of each round. Think of it as a betting hat trick. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Create your ideal combo with the same game parlays on the BetRivers app or at BetRivers.com. In 30 seconds, we come back with baseball, and we come back with going back to the well after we got screwed last night. It can't happen to us twice, Mike, so we're going to do it again. We explain when we come back. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com. It's a long ball weekend at BetRivers Sportsbook, and you can win a $25 free bet whether your players go deep or punch out. To earn the free bet, place a $25 bet on any player to hit a home run in each of this weekend's Yankees-White Sox series. You must make the home run bet in all three games of the series to earn the free bet. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Will the wind blow out on the south side this weekend? Make your bets today on the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Presented by Rivers Casino. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on the Pittsburgh CityCast. Tim Benz, Mike Pursuta from the DVE Morning Show. And Mike, I even pumped up your bets when you weren't here. I was talking about the podcast, or I was talking on the podcast yesterday about the doubleheader strategy. And you didn't go to the well with the doubleheader
0: strategy with A's and Tigers. I I was stunned. I missed it. I I didn't check the schedule. You know, things have been a little screwed with all these Penguin games and uh, whatnot. But uh, what you're referencing is what we came up with last week uh, when we did the podcast. The Pirates were playing a doubleheader against the Tigers. And the theory was neither one of those teams are good enough to sweep a doubleheader. And lo and behold, Tigers win the first game. Buccos win the second. Then on Saturday, I felt so good about this, Tim. I even suspended bet against Mitch Keller day because <laughs> Mitch Keller pitched the second game of a Bucks reds doubleheader. Bucks lost the first game, won the second. On Sunday, I went back to the well. Give me some water. And uh, I watched the uh, Mets lose to the Phillies, and then I immediately bet on the Mets in the second game. And that hit. Also on Sunday, the Yankees were playing the Texas Rangers at home. Now, the Yankees won the first game. I couldn't bet on Texas for the second. I just thought, no, nah, that's that's pushing it. The Yankees are way better than Texas. Texas won the nightcap. That would have hit. And then the aforementioned won the A's and Tigers yesterday. Uh, Detroit wins the first. The A's win the second. But I didn't know they were playing, to unlike Ernie Banks. So I didn't take advantage of that. But I'm all about this doubleheader thing. You know, as long as the teams are reasonably of the same level, where it's two decent teams or two really awful teams yeah sweeps sweeps are so so rare you just got to play that percentage card i think
1: so essentially you're saying like the dodgers and pirates played a doubleheader. have a hard I mean, time
0: going on the bucks in the second game yeah, yeah if kershaw's
1: I, throwing against them then maybe you have a different opinion right
0: but in in the vast majority of instances if you know if you if you can follow along and you, you know you get into these day night things and sometimes the games aren't consecutive and you got to put a little effort into it but it can be done well,
1: the Dodgers and Pirates underway right now. Uh Peter's pitching for the Pirates. Uh the Dodgers have some guy making their major league debut. Did you bet on him, Mike? Did you go with the Dodgers? Oh, wait, you did this, you did this as uh part of the uh parlay, right?
0: We went to the, the same parlay as we did last night? The do over four teamer. Yeah, that's Ryan uh PPO for the Dodgers, formerly of uh, Butler University making his big league debut this afternoon at PNC Park. He went off at like one hundred eighty. So that's why I put it in the parlay again, because I don't want to give 180, but don't want to bet on the Buccos very much.
1: Yeah, what we ended up doing, Mike and I last night, uh, when I was texting him about the doubleheaders, I thought for sure you were in and you were going to want to double down on something big. Uh, what we ended I up lost doing- track
0: of that like uh, James Norris lost track of Jay- Jake Gensel. <laughs> what? 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 How'd that happen? Uh, so what happened there was
1: uh, we decided to go with a, we have a four-teamer, I think. Yes. Yeah, we had a four-teamer, and it was all good teams versus bad teams. It was the Dodgers versus the Pirates. It was the Reds against the Brew Crew. Brew Crew. It was the Mets against the Nats, and it was the Orioles against the Cardinals. The first three hit. Uh, we even got a one-run affair that went in our favor with the Brewers, and then lo and behold, what let us down? It was the Cardinals who came back from 5 nothing down. I think they got two in the 7th, the homer in the 8th. They got two men on in the ninth, and what happened? The Orioles brought some guy in throwing gas out of the bullpen. 99-100-101 strikeout, and the game ends with the winning run at home plate, and our parlay goes up in smoke that would have paid off at plus 446. So that was, that was disappointing,
0: to, to say the least. It was, but that's why we're going back at it today, and that's the beauty of these parlays is you get four, five, six shots at it. I mean, it, it doesn't kill you. It, better that than, you know, give minus 235 to somebody and uh, suffer one of those uh, ignominious, oh, this was one of 162 games, and this crappy team had a good day for a change, and you lost. Like
1: Quintana I mean, beating the Dodgers.
0: Yeah, exactly like that. You don't Which, want to be on the wrong side of those. That's how you get in real trouble. Uh, those those look real enticing, particularly in baseball, because you're, it's obvious who the better team is. But you, you got to keep a keen appreciation of the old baseball adage. You know, everybody wins 50, everybody loses 50, and 50 are up for grabs. As it's, 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 it's the great ACDC once opined, it's harder than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And
1: when you look at the Pirates – um, it's been hard for them for a while and will continue to be, you know, the Dodgers, it, it, they're kind of a tough read when you want to do the over unders with them because they allow so few runs, but they're plenty capable of putting up runs themselves. Like they did with, with the pirates the other day or Hence you know. 11
0: to one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: 11 to one, you know, but like you, you look at it, and you think to yourself, my gosh, the under has to hit here. They, it was coming into the series against the pirates. I think they had allowed 60 runs. And their 60 run total was something like 15 or 20 less than the next closest team. And that was the Yankees in the American League.
0: You know, that's the betting unders is agonizing at times. And I'll go back to the Pirates series in Cincinnati. Uh, the first game of that aforementioned doubleheader, it's two to nothing. And then it's two to two in the top of the eighth. And the Pirates get the bases loaded. With nobody out, uh, the catcher got hurt in the process. And then strikeout, 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 and the Pirates are out of catchers because the backup catcher had been thrown out of the game from the bench for arguing balls and strikes, yeah. even though he wasn't in the game. And they put uh, Van Meter in to catch. And lo and behold, the Pirate pitchers couldn't deal with it, and the Reds get seven in the bottom of the eighth, and they win the game 9-2. And it was, it was a dead solid lock to be under – until it went over exactly and by the uh, way i heard i heard a great joke uh, at the penguin press box from one of our colleagues you know what's the best uh analytic uh to measure whether or not you belong in the big leagues what's that the van meter <laughs> <laughs> so he's like the new mendoza is
1: that it a <laughs> little worse
0: a little worse all
1: right, Mike, you getting over for a rookie minicamp for the Steelers at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Saturday, Friday and Saturday. Can't wait. I'll probably be over there Saturday. I don't think I'm going to be there Friday. I'm filling in for Mark Madden over the weekend. Um, but I, I, th- I think I'm going to get over there on Saturday for a little bit. and just I want to see Kenny Pickett throw. Uh, see what the gloves look like outside in May. You know, just get that kind of feel. See how short the fourth-round pick really is see how the second-round pick really stands and his posture is actually like that when he got drafted on that video that was going on, on the internet. Like, these are the things that are important to me. Is, is this Leal guy, is he really a, like a bigger Bud Dupree or is he a smaller Stefan Tuitt?
0: Like, these are the things I want to see from Steelers minicam. It's all going to be on display. I just can't wait to watch the great Connor Hayward go to work. I hope there's some pit people hanging around. Yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> And they're not going to be
1: talking about Kenny Pickett. They're going to be looking at Connor Hayward. Right, exactly. But the
0: guy that scored, yeah, he scored a touchdown against us in the second half.
1: All right, Mike will be back next week. Uh, I'll be back real quick in 30 seconds with uh, some more football talk. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bett Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Final few moments here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. I said we talked talk a little bit more football. Yesterday on the CityCast, we talked at length about the new GM candidates that the Steelers are talking to. And I shouldn't say new GM candidates. These guys, uh, Cowan, SpyTech, Doug Whaley, they're on their second round of interviews. But whoever takes over for Kevin Colbert is going to have big shoes to fill. Colbert leaves behind a towering legacy. He helped build rosters of three AFC champions, two of which won Super Bowls. The Steelers enjoyed 226 regular season wins under his guidance, 15 more in the playoffs. Not to mention drafting pro bowlers such as Casey Hampton and Troy Palabalu and Ben Roethlisberger and Heath Miller, Lawrence Timmons, Marquise Pouncey, Cameron Hayward, David DeCastro, Ryan Shazier, TJ Watt, and Najee Harris. And those are just the first rounders. Colbert knows that with Pittsburgh's level of expectation for its NFL team, the task will be challenging for his successor. And largely because of all that success, Colbert can go out on his terms after 22 years. But in the modern NFL, even someone with that kind of track record can't retire without leaving some questions behind. So here are some of the biggest challenges, both right away and long term, facing the person who will be sitting in Colbert's chair soon enough if Colbert doesn't clean up some of the issues before that candidate is hired. First of all, streamlining the quarterback situation. Obviously, Mike Tomlin will have a heavy hand in that decision-making process, but it doesn't seem to make much sense to have either Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky as a third quarterback for game days. That can be seventh-round pick Chris Oladokun. Maybe Kenny Pickett can serve that role early in his rookie season, but Pickett wasn't drafted number 20 overall to be a 24-year-old backup. To avoid quarterback clutter and maybe get an asset in return, it would make sense to either move Trubisky or Rudolph. Next, make a contract decision on Deontay Johnson and on Minka Fitzpatrick, too. Johnson is part of that talented 2019 receiver draft class that's making financial noise and resetting the market at the position while resetting rosters, too, with all the trades that are going on. It'd be nice if the Steelers could fashion a reasonable extension for Johnson before the fourth and final year of his rookie contract begins this fall. But if Johnson's eyes have gotten big, seeing the kind of money that Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs have gotten, I don't consider that reasonable. Colbert has left his successor with two intriguing 2022 draft picks and George Pickens and Calvin Austin the third at receiver. Chase Claypool, too, so maybe the new front office will be less forced into meeting a potentially ridiculous asking price from Johnson, but that's still going to be a tricky situation to navigate. Fitzpatrick should be more clear-cut, expensive but direct, unless the next guy after Colbert doesn't see the same value in the safety position or in Fitzpatrick playing it as Colbert and Tomlin do. Third one, shore up the line play. Speaking of succession plans, another one must exist on the defensive line. The first step is deciding on or getting a decision from Stephon Tuitt as to whether or not he can or wants to return to football in 2022. But even if that happens, Tuitt turns 29 later this month. Chris Wormley does as well in October. Cameron Hayward, who's 32, and Tyson Aluoglu, who's 34, those are the two oldest players of the team. Tua has four voidable years left on his contract after the season. Alu-Alu is an unrestricted free agent, and Wormley is as well. Third-round draft choice DeMarvin Leal appears to be a bit of a tweener, but has lots of talent. Beyond him, though, that whole unit needs to be fortified with youth over the next few years. On the offensive side, Colbert leaves sort of in mid-rebuild as Dan Moore and Kevin Dotson, Kedrick Green, and Chooks for could be entering a second year as starters together. James Daniels, the Chicago Bear free agent signee, will be a welcome addition at right guard. The new hire will have to decide if those new pieces are foundational building blocks or just temporary placeholders in the post-Pouncey DeCastro, Foster Villanueva era. Here's another big one. Finally replace Ryan Shazier. Twice because the other inside linebacker besides the Shazier slot is a revolving door, too. Acquiring Miles Jack in free agency might be a start, but before him, the likes of Mark Barron, Avery Williamson, Roberts Blaine, and John Bostick, and Joe Schobert haven't been close to good enough. Neither has former first-round pick Devin Bush. Colbert already decided to decline Bush's fifth-year option, The next general manager will have to determine if Bush has enough of a bounce-back season in him in 2022 that he's worthy of retaining in free agency, as 2018 first-rounder Terrell Edmonds eventually proved to be, but at a very discounted rate, by the way. And finally, the Steelers' way has to be examined for the new guy. That's all specific individual stuff that I outlined before, but the big-picture Steeler way of doing things, Colbert's replacement also has to determine if the franchise is best served by continuing to do business in the same way that Colbert, Tomlin, and Bill Cowher have gotten so used to doing. Will all those tried-and-true pillars of Steeler's business continue? Like, no contract extension talks once the season begins? Minimize guaranteed money on new contracts beyond the signing bonus. Making cap room by restructuring contracts and kicking the can down the road. Trying to find low-cost mid-round draft choice starters at high-valued positions such as offensive tackle and cornerback. Keep building through the draft as much as possible. Continue to use free agency and trades as supplemental tools instead of big-ticket attempts for quick improvement like the Rams have proved was possible. In his later years, Colbert appeared to yield on some of those concepts at various times, be it how they structured T.J. Watt's huge extension or trading for Fitzpatrick and acquiring Schobert. If the new hire comes from the outside of the organization, We'll see exactly how much he thinks those business values are essential to the Steelers' success. Sort of a short week this week because we had an extra podcast last week for the Kentucky Derby. We're back on a normal schedule next week before we have a shortened week for Memorial Day, and we'll have tons of hockey talk whether the Penguins win or lose next week. I can guarantee you that. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast.